Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell, here to recap the Thunder's 122-118 to loss to the Washington Wizards on Tuesday night in D.C., Barry, this was a pretty fun one. Uh, there, there wasn't a ton of you know good defense, but there was a lot of fun offense. Um, even the ending was a little wild with Contavious Caldwell Pope banking in what proved to be the dagger. Um, Lou Dort airballed a three pointer on the Thunder's next possession, um, and you know the the Wizards came out with the win. Kyle Kuzma was really good um, for the Thunder. Shea Gilgis Alexander had a bounce back game. What what was your main takeaway from this one? Oh, I thought the Thunder played excellent offense. It might have been. Uh, let's see. I think it was the second highest scoring game of the year for the Thunder. And they had shot a pretty good percentage, and they had pretty good contribution you know, across the board from, from uh, their main guys. So I thought it was a very good offensive performance for this team. Just did it on a night when their defense was um, sort of – unordinarily poor really let Washington get out and get going and hit a lot of shots but it was an entertaining game Mm -hmm. no doubt about it and Thunder didn't make a lot of plays in the last two minutes Um, I thought they played very well most of the night though yeah these last two games have both been entertaining that Nuggets game uh, we didn't podcast after that one, but then that and this, and the Thunder lose them both. So those are those are the good tanking games when when everyone has fun and the Thunder still lose. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, let, let's, I thought uh, Shea. I thought Shay I don't know if he read your story today or what his deal was, but he looked a little bit like his old self. He did. He wasn't. He wasn't taking a jacking up a bunch of threes unwarranted. He was driving. He was slippery. He he looked more like himself tonight. I thought. Yeah, I am. I'm about ninety nine percent sure that he he didn't read our story. Um, you're 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 not the first person who who mentioned that possibility. But um, yeah, like th- this was classic Shea, right? Like he had he was he was tricky around the rim. He had everything, pulling out all the all the tricks in his bag, keeping guys off balance. Um, just the the euro steps, the fakes, the hesitations. Didn't quite see the scoop shot. I, I thought about this the other day. I remember I wrote a whole story on Shea's scoop shot his uh, first year with the Thunder. We don't see it a ton anymore, so I'd like to see him bring that back. But I think we just saw how special he is, um, and just how creative he is around the rim. He only took two threes. He he shot one of two, and that's uh, that's what I wrote about. He's just basically been the worst high-volume three-point shooter in the league this year. And, you know, again, I I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think for his long-term development, it's good that he's trying these difficult three-pointers. It's good if he learns how to to make the step-back three. But tonight, he definitely had a different force about him, I thought. Yeah, and he he seemed to be playing – it seemed to be a pace thing, I thought, at times. 
he's back to a little bit of his slow motion self. Yeah. Slow motion's probably not the right word. Kyle Anderson plays in slow motion. But playing at his own pace. Yeah, you know, changing he, he, speeds. Yeah, he didn't get in a hurry. He he didn't let anybody speed him up. Um he, he did he he had he had the good he had the good uh variation in his game and the Wizards really didn't have much clue on how to deal with him. So to me that's a very good sign. He only took two three pointers, which is you know, more of what needs to be his speed instead of six or seven. Um Thunder's still know not about that though. Like eventually he's gonna Yeah, I don't I I don't I, know. That's a good that's an interesting thing to debate, I guess. Yeah, I want the threes to the threes need to come more natural, I guess. Um, I just think he's forced a lot of them. Uh, and some have been by necessity because I think you had this in your story. He ends up having to take a lot of bad shots because of the shot clock. Thunder can't find a shot, and he's got the ball with four seconds left, and what else is he going to do? Yeah, he takes more threes in the final four seconds of the shot clock, basically desperation. He's, he takes more of those than he does catch-and-shoot threes, which is yeah. not, not good for the percentage. No, no, no. So, um, I'd like to see him. I know he leads the league in drives. I'd still like to see him drive even more. You know what he doesn't seem to do? Does he Does he shoot many mid-ranges anymore? I don't know if he shoots it's, that many mid-ranges it's, anymore. It's well down from – it was down again last year. Really, it, it's that first year um, on the CP Schroeder team. He, he shot a lot of mid-rangers in that first year in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'd like to see more of those, I think, too. But – but this was a good offensive game by the Thunder, and that's without that's without getting any transition points. I think these are the two are these teams last in the league in transition points. I think is that right? I, or I don't I don't know if that I don't know. Or is you, it, you might or is you it, might be right on that. But they they didn't get a lot in transition, and they also didn't get a lot um, from the three point line. So they had one of their best offensive games while they shot eleven of. 39, 28% from three. Yeah, and, um, you know, they only had two fast break points. Washington had nine. Um, they only had three second chance points. Um, they didn't shoot a ton of foul shots, 15. Well, they only turned so, it over five times. Well, that always helps. Yeah. That always helps. And then they were really good from two-point range, I guess. Let's, let's figure it out. 36 of 59. Well, that's Pretty good two point shooting. So, um, yeah, both teams had 64 points in the paint. One of the more unique offensive games, I'd say, of the season for the Thunder. Yeah. What do you think about the Wizards? You like the Wizards, Barry? Uh, Not particularly, no. (laughs) No Bradley Beal tonight, by the way. I like like it better when Bradley Beal's out there. (laughs) Uh, Kuzma really has been playing well, though. Kuzma's a nice offensive player. Let me tell you what, the, the Washingtons made a great trade when they sent Westbrook away. Um, most teams end up doing that, you know. Um, but they got Kuzma, Caldwell Pope, and and uh, Harrell, for crying out loud. I know. I mean, it's that's like, a nice – sort of exactly what the Lakers need is about three more good ball players, and uh, they sent them to Washington. Yeah. So and to uh, go back even further, they were able to flip John Wall into all those guys. Yeah, right. So, um, 
So it's a good, you know, I think it's a good, I think it's a good. Uh, Playing team? Yeah, what are they, they're 21 and 20 now. So what are they, eighth something in the east, ninth maybe? Sounds right. I'm pulling up so, the standings. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not going anywhere. Everybody knows that. But this is one of those teams that they hadn't been going anywhere for 25 years. So nobody's yeah, really interested. they're ninth in, right now. Okay. No, but nobody's interested in seeing the Wizards tank. That's not <laughs> – you know, you've been watching them lose games for a quarter century. How about you try to win some? And um, uh, so I think uh, – you know they got a they got a solid base. It's not a high ceiling team. Um, you know they got a rookie in Corey Kispert, who's an interesting player. He had the best plus minus of anybody in in the District of Columbia tonight. He had plus sixteen. I don't know how that happened. He literally made a play I've never seen on a basketball court tonight. I literally have never seen it. Somebody I try don't to even do know what, what you're he about did. To say. You don't know. I have never seen somebody. Laying on the ground with the ball in their hands and try to throw a pass, not only about 30 feet, oh, yeah. but at, at your own basket. Yeah, that's the was... dangest thing I've never, I've never seen that before. I've seen guys you know, try to save the ball and throw it in under their own basket and somebody gets a layup, and that's just brain lock. But he's laying on the ground with the ball in his hands. And a Thunder guy runs at him, and he thought, well, I better throw the ball to somebody. And he sees somebody in the lane. I don't know how how wide's a how wide's a basketball court. I've lost my mind. Is it fifty uh, something feet? Is it? I think. I, I, I think a basketball. So so he's, <laughs> I'm, he I'm throws tired. he throws the ball like twenty five or thirty feet, and he just throws it. You know, I forgot if it was tipped or if intercepted or what it was. I mean, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. You know, worst case scenario, just let them tie you up. But anyway, uh, they started him tonight, so I guess they like him to some degree. Um, yeah, he, he's not shot the ball well this year, and that's what he's was drafted to do. But he's still a rookie. Yeah, um, but it was, uh, you know, it was uh, an interesting game to watch. I, I discovered that Davis Bertans, who we've seen for quite a while in a ver- variety of locales, looks just like. The new sports editor at the Norman Transcript, Jesse Crittenden. So I, I, th- I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> that was just fascinating to me. So you gonna call uh, Jesse Bertons? I might have to something. call him Bertons. I might. He might need. He needs a nickname. So how about that, Bertons or Davis? Nobody would know what I mean if I said that. Uh, where's Davis Bertans from? Is he from the Czech Republic? Where's he from? No, my. My guess was going to be Latvia, but that's probably not. Oh, yeah, he's Latvian. He's Latvian? Yeah, like. Somebody's got to be. Like Porzingis. Okay, Davis Bartan's Latvian. Well, there you go, Latvia. Maybe I'll call him Latvia. Uh, But anyway, um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is an interesting player. He uh, He had had 10 assists. He had 10 assists and no turnovers tonight, so I'm going to tip my cap to him. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, Some thunders of note. Barry, we, we've been hard on Darius Baisley, but I, I know the offense still comes and goes. He was actually good tonight, but his defense really has been special. That block he had on Kispert, and he, he had another big block um, 
the other night. Like he's he's really defending well for him. And, and you know what? He's rebounding, and he made two threes tonight, actually, which is sort of rare. But he's I think he's sort of found his niche. Yeah. I don't. You know, we keep waiting. We kept waiting for him to develop into a, a good player so he could start in the NBA because he. You know, he started some as a 19-year-old freshman and wasn't, you know, didn't kill the Thunder, helped them sometimes. And now as a third-year guy, he seems to have regressed. But if he just doesn't have the ball in his hands very much, he's not a bad player. Yeah. You know, he – Yeah, quit quit trying to – he almost, like, doesn't need to dribble. Like, be a catch-and-shoot player or just like a rim runner, basically. But uh, yeah. Mainly you're rebounding and playing defense. Yeah, this point forward stuff has failed. That doesn't work. That's what he was billed as. That's what Sam thought he would would be. He He's not. He wasn't. He's not going to be, I don't think. But he's a useful NBA player because he rebounds and defends and, and, and uh, protects the rim. Yeah, and so he's athletic think, and he's 6'8". Yeah, so I think he's got a future all of a sudden, just in the last two or three weeks. Yeah, no, me, me too. I mean, he's totally changed, and um, it's it's been cool to see because he was having a really rough go of it. Um, other – anything else from this game before we move on to no a couple Kenrich, of – No Kenrich Williams. No Kenrich Williams. He's in health and safety protocols. And, so uh, that'll help the lottery cause. Yeah, yeah, that might have hurt the defense a little tonight. Yeah, that may uh, be one when, when Washington had such free reign. Yeah, but they so signed the, the they signed Mamadi Diaki. How do you say his Di, name? Diakite. Diakite. Yep. So and they're course, back to they're back to two who's on the team. Two two University of Virginia uh, national champions guys that took out OU. Yep. We were there in that twenty nineteen NCAA tournament out in Columbia, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, uh, that's pretty good. Get old Kyle Guy and 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 uh, oh, the guy from Atlanta, the, Ky- DeAndre Ky- Hunter. Kyle Guy just got a ten day deal too. I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. So, um, so good for good for the Cavaliers of Virginia. They're, yeah. They're so representing. Diakite is interesting because the Thunder really liked him in training camp. He played for the Bucks last year, and um, he fractured his hip in a preseason game with the Thunder. And Mark Dagnall said today that he was well ahead of his timeline. He's he's healthy again, so he, he didn't play at all tonight, but he's going to get some run in, in this 10-day contract. The Thunder has two 10-day guys now, Mamadi Diakite and Olivier Saar. They're replacing Isaiah Roby and Kenrich Williams, who are both in health and safety protocol. So Saar is on his second 10-day deal, um, playing that Sacramento game a week or so ago, and, and then Diakite here now, so... Let me ask a question. <laughs> I think I think this is going to be sarcastic or no, something. No, 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 no. This is going to paint me as really not knowing. But when, when somebody goes into health and safety protocols, does that, does that have anything to do with contact tracing? No. Or do, or do they have the COVID? Yeah, they have. They pretty much have COVID. They either pretty much well, not, have COVID. not pretty much. They either have COVID or have registered an inconclusive test or a okay. false positive. Like if you want okay. to really get okay. down to it. Okay. But okay. 
They don't so contact, contact tracing is out the window. The contact tracing they have uh, given up because, like, for example, Trey Mann tested positive before, right before a game a couple weeks ago in which he warmed up with everyone. So if they were contact <laughs> tracing, the Thunder yeah, would have it, had everyone out. There's, there's no game. Also, yeah. just the the that that the league would have to stop play if they were contact tracing just with how many guys have had it. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a so good point. Those okay, are, so he's so he's either he's either he's either got the COVID or there's reason to believe he he does. Okay, right, exactly. So like Shea was only in protocols for two days, and he he explained the situation because I was like how. How did this happen? He said he registered an inconclusive test, um, but then he had to register two negative tests after that to go back. So he never tested positive, but he was out because of the inconclusive test. I got um, you. But, but yeah, that's that's how it works now. And you, you can sign a 10-day guy for every guy you have in protocols and say you have – Five guys in protocols, you have to have at least four 10-day players, so at least one under the number of guys you have in protocols. I got you. Okay. Um, other uh, news today, Barry. Alexei Pokashevsky was, is not in our nation's capital. He is pr- presum- presumably in the capital of Oklahoma um, because he did not make the trip. He's been assigned to the G League OKC Blue. Unlike his first stint this season, um, you'll remember he played in the – he played in the bubble last season, but this season he had one stint with the blue. He played two games. Um, but Mark Dagnall said this one's going to be at least a week, if not more. So um, kind of an extended stay for Poku in the G League bubble, or not in the G League bubble, in the G League this time. Not surprising, but because it's Poku, we we must talk about it. Yeah, you know, it worked so well for him in Orlando um, last year, last season. That you know, you, you give it a try and see see what happens. Um, I was taken aback when I saw his uh, shooting percentages you you listed tonight in your wrap up with thirty six overall, twenty three from three point range. I mean, that's not going to cut it. Um, so you don't want you don't want to give up on the guy. He's too intriguing of a prospect. Uh, first round pick was he, eighteenth overall, seventeenth, seventeenth overall. So you you want to give him every benefit, but you're sure not seeing much progress. No, you're just you're not seeing much progress. So yeah, little to no progress. And the difference from last year's, he was playing I think twenty eight minutes a game, and this year he's down to fifteen. So if he's not even going to play that much, um, might as well send him to the blue. And Mark Dagnall said it's not just a case of um, him you know, playing poorly and wanting to play in blue games. He said because of the NBA scheduling and how fast paced it is, the Thunder doesn't practice all that much. And Mark was basically saying Poku needs practice time. Like he, he, he needs like hard workouts. Um, and he said, he's going to be able to get that with the blue, the blue don't play until Thursday or Friday. Maybe I, I think it's Friday. So they basically just want him to go through tough workouts every single day and it's not just a strength thing; it's a durability um, issue, which I thought was interesting as well. That they that he he's got to be more durable. Well, that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting. Don't don't my, we all? You know, yeah. My my issue with Poku is even if you project him out as a good player, 
a guy who does progress, I don't know what he would be. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, it's almost like he has to be a great player. Like yeah, if like if he figures it out, he's going to be great. Like, is he going to be a rim protector? Well, I don't think so. I've never seen that out of him. Is he going to be a great shooter? I'll I'll answer that one. I think seems it's like, I think it's seems, no. Seems unlikely. Is he going to be you know an you know extraordinarily tall ball handler? No, I don't I'll think so. I'll say this: so. Is he ever going to pass like Josh Giddy? Yeah, or you know, or is he? Is he just going to be able to dribble up the court without it being an adventure? I mean, I just I don't know if he became if he became a useful rotational NBA player. I don't know what form that would be. I have no idea what, and and maybe that remains part of the intrigue, right? That he is yeah. such an interesting package. Seven footer with some skills. He's got some skills. He's not a you know what? He's got a little bit of passing ability. He's not a stiff on the passing. He actually can dribble better than a lot of guys, a lot shorter. I just I just don't know what he's gonna end up doing or being though. I think the I think his passing is his best attribute. I I, I sort of described it this way the the other day. It's like he's got really really good vision i think he sees the floor well i think he's creative like not josh giddy's level I, I i know there's other passers in the nba i'm just comparing him to another thunder player not josh giddy's level but like he he almost sees the floor in that way but just does not have like the gifts to get it there almost like he's yeah. he's just a little sloppier it's not as pinpoint by the way giddy had like five or six wow passes i i thought tonight that fast break pass where he led door and um and he had a couple more inbounds passes that were really nice he, he's just fun to watch like the wizards crowd they ooed and odd more at josh giddy's passing than just about anything else that happened tonight well even when he plays poorly he plays well that's 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 what i have to say about josh giddy even when he plays poorly he plays well and that's what I like about him. I didn't think he was particularly sharp tonight, and he ends up 8 of 15 shooting, six rebounds, eight assists, two turnovers. Yeah, he had like 18, 8, and 6. Yeah, so for crying out loud, the guy can just play. I think he's, I think he's already a good player, and he might turn into a wonderful player. You know, and his shooting, the per, I don't know if the percent has his – have his it, percentages improved? It's been a lot better lately. The, these past few games, he's been shooting it much, much better. O- overall, um, it's still bad, but lately yeah. it's been good. Okay, I'm not look, I'm So I don't know anything about the numbers. I'm just going by watching him. His shot looks better. It's more confident when he misses. He doesn't miss badly as much. So... I just like I like dang near everything about the guy. Yeah, so he he missed three games with COVID, and he's played in four games since then. And those four games from three, three of five, two of four, zero oh and zero oh of two, three of five, and then whatever he was whatever he was tonight, uh, two of six. So yeah, he he has shot better lately, and and he mentioned that after the game is he said the same same thing happened to him in Australia. Last year in the NBL, in NBL, 
He really struggled at the beginning of the year, started to shoot it better in the second half. And Giddy's pretty honest with how he answers questions. He, he said that at the beginning of the year, he was a little nervous of missing a lot of threes and like what that looks like. But now he said he doesn't really care and he's just going to shoot them. So I think that's a big deal as far as his confidence. Yeah, so he's he's looking good. I like I like uh, I like everything about Josh Giddy. Giddy Dort and SGA give me hope for the future. Okay, that's perfect. The perfect segue into how we're going to close this podcast episode because Barry, it's the talk of of Thunderville these days. With with this, how bad is you know SGA and Dort have shot it recently with Giddy not projecting as a great shooter but who knows i i'm not even gonna say that because he's so young he might turn into a really good shooter for all we know but i i would say shea and and giddy are the two guys you're really trying to build around at this point ideally you're building around whoever you draft number one or two um in, in the next draft but you've got those two guys and then Dort is that secondary piece are you are you optimistic? That's the word Mark Dignall used when he was asked about it. Are you optimistic of the building around a pairing of SGA and Giddy, neither of whom are great outside shooters as of now? Uh, that doesn't bother me as long as whatever pieces you add as you reach contending, playoff contention, or even higher status, you got to put good shooters around them. Um, that's that's what I would say. You just don't often see great teams that their two best players aren't both aren't good shooters. Well, I won't say good because they could be. Yeah, you're saying in which neither are good shooters. Is that what right. you mean? Or both? Like you're you're relying on your your extras, I guess, is yeah. to be the shooters. Now, and here now here's what's here's what's interesting to me. This, that was not the kind of questions we were asking in November because SGA had such an excellent shooting season no a year ago. No doubt. So that's what I want to know about SGA is when it comes to shooting, who is he? What is he? What's the real Shea Gilgis Alexander? Is it last year or is it this year? You know, we got all excited about the progression he made a year ago we have to be pessimistic about the regression he's made this year. But, you know, when you're surrounded by guys who can't shoot, maybe he's, he's putting too much pressure on himself. Maybe he's, he's taking shots he shouldn't take. Maybe things are going to open up for him if, yeah, you know, this. There, this there's no uh, doubt about that. Yeah, so I'm not – that to me is a down the road problem that you don't have to deal with right now. I, I totally agree. Like I, I don't know how it's really popped up lately, but it but it seems to as far as just some some emails I've gotten, so a lot of Twitter chat, um, everything like that. As far as like the concern of those two guys as shooters, and Mark Dagnall was even asked about it before the game today. So I wanted us to address it. I, I'm with you. You know, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Josh Giddy, both really good players. Like, you got to be extremely excited about what Giddy has shown as a as a rookie in this league. And who knows? Like, he's played 
30 NBA games. Who knows what, what he's going to be as a three-point shooter whenever the Thunder's trying to be good. And also, Shea was a 42% three-point shooter in 35 games last year. He subbed 30 in 35 games this year. Like, those are both small samples. Maybe it's somewhere in between, and you could live with that as well if he settles in as a, you know, between 35 and 38% or something like that. So so I think it's way too early to be concerned about that because this <laughs> these are problems. If, if three years from now they're a really good team and they're playing tough games in which, like, neither of them can shoot, then sure, it's a, it's a problem. But, like, right now it's not. No. And the more Giddy handles the ball, which he handles it a decent amount now, but I think he's going to end up handling it more and more, the more Shea could become, you know, stand out there and be a, a stand, uh, you know, a standstill shooter on occasion, the catch and shoot guy. He doesn't have to always be instigating the offense when Giddy's out there. That's what I like about the pairing is you got two guys that both can play point guard, and they're both tall for the position, so they can do other things. I don't. I think there's a lot to like about about that about that duo. Can you ever envision a scenario in which Giddy is the Thunder's primary point guard and Shea is almost exclusively playing off the ball, or do you think that in the system they're just going to share it so much that it doesn't really matter? I think it's the latter because Shea is so good at, at penetrating and, and finishing at the rim. I don't want I don't think you want to take the ball out of his hands too much. Um you know, maybe I said this last year on a on a on a podcast, but you know, for much of his career, Bobby Knight rejected the idea of point guards. Um especially in the seventies when he had those great teams People would ask him, who's your point guard? And he said, oh, we don't have point guards. We have guards. We have guys who handle the ball. Yeah. And if you can't handle the ball, you're not a guard. You're in the front court. And, you know, people like Quinn Buckner, Bobby Wilkerson, people like that. And I think it's a case of – I think SGA can play together with, with – um, with Giddy, and here's an example. Now, the James Harden, Chris Paul thing fell apart year two in Houston. But in year one, the Rockets went 65 and 17 with two point guards. Now, Chris Paul and James Harden are unique players in NBA history, and you know, I know I, I understand all the differences. But they took turns running that running that team. And they went. They won sixty-five games, and it was wrecked not because of style of play, and it was not wrecked because of um, of uh, functioning. It was wrecked because of ego and attitude. So I think, you know, I think it can work, uh, especially, you know, Lou Dort. Lou Dort brought the ball up some tonight. Yeah, for crying out loud! I mean, sometimes they're both well, on the wing. I, I think they want Trey Mann to handle the ball too. So yeah, so and here's here's the truth. We keep saying, and I don't necessarily mean me and you, or even you know, just as a collective NBA, we keep saying 
the league is moving more and more to positionless basketball. Well, this if that's true, like. that's what it looks like. Yeah. Guys who can do a little bit of everything. I, you know, I Mick think Cornette. the Thunder's ideal scenario, like, say Poku hit. Say Baisley was that, like, ball point forward that they want him to be. You got, you got guys like Shea, Giddy, Poku, Baisley, all these, like, Six 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 eight seven foot giants who can all handle the ball, move it around, get other guys open shots. Like ideally, I think that's how the Thunder wants to play. Yeah, um, I think you're probably right. Mick Cornett has a brother. Mick Cornett, of course, a longtime Oklahoma City mayor. Mick told me 20 years ago, or 15 years ago, that his brother foresaw, foresees a time in the future when football backfields. There's not anyone you can designate as the quarterback. They all can run. They all can pass. And you just run a bunch of formations, and they might snap the ball to any of anybody. And that's sort of what we mean with basketball is got a bunch of guys in the backfield that can do everything. And SGA and Getty are or potentially are those kinds of players. Yeah. You could also think about it this way is whoever gets the defensive rebound has the capability to bring the ball up the floor and, and initiate the offense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I'm I'm excited and encouraged by the SGA Giddy pairing. Yeah. I'm excited just because it like it looks different and it is it going is to be a different. puzzle for them to figure out, but it's gonna be fun to watch how that develops. And here's the deal. If they get the chance to draft another uh, of that genre, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. take another one. Yeah. Put, put five of them on the court at once. Put five of them on the court <laughs> once and see what happens and hope, you know, and hope you're not playing against, you know, I don't know, Joel Embiid very often. I was going to say Joel Embiid, too. We're both, <laughs> we're both thinking the same thing. Maybe so, uh, yeah, so you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Or you know, I don't know who else would be hard to guard. You know, uh, but it's Jokic it's, is it, like the center of the positionless basketball. Like he, he's like the the ideal five man to play in that sort of system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, well, anyway, I so I'm I, I, that doesn't bother me right now. Now, heck, two years from now, reserve the right to change my vote. But for now, I'm bullish yeah. on the SGA. Giddy pairing. We have we have temporarily solved the problems of the future by saying that they're not problems of the present. Um, right. Barry, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. And we will be back with you on, hopefully on Thursday night, to recap the Thunder at the Nets. 